like to contact the show, send us an email at liveonfortlegspodcast at gmail.com or get involved in the conversation on social media. Join the Pearl Jam Podcast community group on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Live on Four Legs Pod. Uh, we'd like to thank someone in particular for uh, choosing to play Fargo on this tour. That would be Mr. Jeff Heyman on the bass guitar. And uh, that's his whole family on the side of the right. That's all of them. That's evolution, baby. That's one great grandma and that. That's what came out of it. Uh, we'd like to thank the Cohen brothers, too. And away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring... Mr. Stone Gossett! Fucking camera in the truck. now welcome to live on four legs a definitive live pearl jam podcast and do we have a great episode here today well you're darn tootin that's right we are going to fargo this is the last of our ototo states month and it is in north dakota and yeah there will be a lot of movie references in this one because fargo is a fantastic spectacular movie and one that I, I know how to quote well. I had to, look, I had to Google it. I had to Google some things. I had to figure it out. But we're going to get to a little bits and pieces. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait my turn and see when I can use some of these quotes. And then we'll have to see how it interprets into the show. But yes, as I mentioned, the last OTOTO State Month show. And then we're going to be moving on to other things next week, starting then. And... We get to go to 2003 this week. There's never anything bad about 2003. That's the best year that they performed, in my opinion, and maybe in John's as well. We'll get his opinion in a second. And also, we get to talk about a studio song from the first 10 records, the last studio song from the first 10 records that we have never touched up on on this podcast. So why don't we get into all that Randy Sobel over here, John Farrar over there. Hello, hello. Hey, so would it kill you to say something? Uh, I'm just going to throw all my quotes into the wood chipper and uh, <laughs> see what comes out. <laughs> I guess that was your accomplice in the wood chipper, wasn't it? Yep. <laughs> well, look, 
I can't be obvious with it. If if something else comes up, I'll I'll, I'll point it out. But I feel yeah. like it's going to be way too cheesy if I if yeah, I do yeah, it this way. So it's been a while since I've seen that movie, and I never have seen the show. I guess I'm, there's a the show is pretty good supposedly. Yeah, I I never, went and I watched maybe a couple episodes of the first season. It just didn't stick or it wasn't the right time. But yeah, the the movie is really there's a lot of really really great scenes and great lines in it. So if you haven't seen it. It was up for tons of Oscars. What are you doing? It's a Coen Brother movie. Go and watch it right now. Go stop this episode. Go watch it. Find it. I'm sure it's streaming somewhere. Anyway, Fargo, North Dakota is something that you were really interested in doing. You really wanted to cover this one before we even had the idea for the OTOTO States Month. And why this one, then? This show has one of my absolute favorite live performances by anyone much less Pearl Jam period when I did my Pearl Jam radio wish list thing I put one of the songs from here on there and we'll get to it a little bit later but one of my just all-time favorite things is at this show so looking forward to that but other than that it's like you know it's it's a good show even besides that i think a lot of good performances ed is a little under the weather here so they're going to talk about that as well i think it affects uh, a couple of things that happen here and again like you mentioned where we're going to get to talk about a song that we've never talked about on the show before so going to be a pretty good one i think yeah why don't we even give a little bit of a primer to that now because The day that this comes out in your podcast feeds is June 29th, which, look, we weren't trying to do this, but, I mean, that worked out pretty well. Like, that's one day before the Roskilde uh, anniversary, and here we are sitting on the first time that we're ever going to talk about ARC. And it's, it's tough to, like, look back and reflect on that and not feel just, like, all of just those feelings of how it all went down and that, you know, Pearl Jam among many, many other bands in in their stature and and some that aren't even in their stature that have witnessed something horrible like this. And you wouldn't think that a band would survive. You wouldn't think that they would go out there and survive. You would think that they would need a lot of time off and maybe some time off from music. And and somehow they decided to come back, and it, it it took baby steps. It took baby steps. It had a lot, a lot of work to do, but they were able to make it back here. And then when they do Riot Act, and they're finally ready to write for Riot Act, there's a lot of not so subtle and subtle dedications to the tragedy. Yeah, yeah, there are, there are. We've kind of all throughout that record, and Arc being the next to last song on there is. A little weird of a placement, I think. Like, yes, All or None is is a very good closer, but almost like I wonder what the thought process was like of getting this on the record because they had never really done anything like that before. I mean, yes, there had been some interstitial things. You have your Red Dots and your I Davinitas, and you know everybody knows the stuff like that. But this was something that they had never really done before that Ed had never done, like using his voice like this. You know, I think about him, you know, being in the studio kind of by himself and doing it, this kind of like layering these vocals and there's, you know, there's no instrumentation on it. It had to have been pretty amazing to be there and see. And you know, like 
they treat this with a reverence that that almost no other song gets. Like they only did it the nine times for the nine victims that Ross killed. This is the fifth one. And yes, he's done it a lot at his solo shows. I think the one time I saw him in Atlanta in 2009, they did two nights. And he did it on night one, but not on night two, the night that I went to. But they omitted it from the bootlegs. They said, you know, these performances are not going to be released on the official CDs. They wanted it to be special for the people that were there for that moment. They would not let this be kind of exploited for commercial gain because, you know, if if this had been on some of those CDs, that those are the ones that a lot of people would have flocked to because, hey, like, this is a unique thing that you're, you're not going to hear. And... We can talk about how, you know, Just a Girl is never coming back and Get Right is probably never coming back and some other different things. But we know for sure that Ark is never coming back. Yeah, and I think maybe another thing that kind of could go into it is that obviously this isn't the first thing. I think the first thing is that, you know, the respect of the tribute and the respect for the friends and families that had lost loved ones in the tragedy Another thing could just be that the plan was nine times and they stuck to the plan. And I think that's fully acceptable. And I think people should accept it. However, say they did exploit this, say they put it out on the bootlegs. It was supposed to go on, say there were more videos out there. Cause you have to look at what's out there for this. And this specific version is not circulating anywhere. I will say that you can't find the Fargo one. You can find other versions. I think there's a list somewhere, maybe on the forum or something like that, Mm -hmm. that will tell you which ones. The one I usually go back to is San Diego because there's video of it on YouTube. There's a full show from the San Diego 2003, and you can see it at the end. You can see them on the machine. We can get into that in a second. But I think maybe another small thing that could kind of go into that is that you don't want fans to hear it and then think like, Oh, we, we want this. We like, yeah. let's get this back. Let's get this back. Yeah. And, and you know, you can, you can shout at the heavens for dirty Frank all you want and still make a joke of it, but you can't with this one. That's, that's where the line is crossed. Oh, I even think if someone were to come out and be like, Oh man, I, I wish they would do arc again. Like, that's such a cool thing. Like, I think you would just be like everyone in the, the community, like, would just be like, no, we're not going to put up with that. That, like I said, there's a reverence for it and a respect for it that, yeah. like, people know not to, like, you just don't see that. Even from, like, fans who are younger and might not know the full story and, and through no fault of their own, or, like, fans who are more casual, Mariah acting might not be as familiar with, they might hear it and be like, oh, this is cool. But, like, you never, ever see things that are like, oh, man, uh, when are they going to do Ark again? It's been a while. Like you just, nah. you just, you just don't see it, and you, you won't. Even when we were doing those set list drafts back in 2020, when we were all bored and looking for things to right. do on Zoom, a couple people tried to take Ark, and I said, I'm not going to allow it. I, I just, I think that's kind of against what the ethos are here, and I, they're never going to do it again. So if you're creating a set list for this time period that we're in right now, then it's not going to happen. That's that's a guaranteed no. I think we can get into the performance in just a second, and again, we don't have the Fargo performance, so we're just working off of 
a version that we see and talking about what the performance was like. But before we get into that, I kind of want to talk about the European tour that's happening. Look, we are recording this a little bit before some of the shows are happening this week, and we don't have any information on those, so I don't think it's worth even bringing up right now so i will once again as i do every single week we will direct you to the patreon and if you're not over on patreon patreon.com slash live on four legs where we do have all of the instant reaction episodes that are exclusive to that platform every morning after the show whether it was the morning after berlin morning after zurich gonna be the morning after stockholm and worked or all of those the very next day you will see this episode in your feed and yeah people want to get the instant analysis instant reaction well that's what we give you so head on over there just making you guys aware that this content is out there if you just want to consume more and more and more about this band all right before we get into the set list obviously north dakota is the story here this is one of the states you've never set foot in, right? I believe. Correct. So yep. we don't really have any fast facts, do we? What do you know about yeah, North Dakota? Not really. Um, they're good at football. Okay. North Dakota State, I guess. Yeah, that's a, that's a D D two or yeah, D3, they, they play right? they play D two or whatever it is now. Yeah, I think that's where and, Carson uh, Wentz played. Okay. And also, as a lot of states up in the far north, big into curling, which, uh, which oh, I've yeah. been into the last few years. Your Minnesotas and Wisconsins and North Dakotas, kind of the hotbed of that stuff up there. So yeah. maybe maybe I'll get up there someday. <laughs> get up there just to curl, I suppose. Yeah, yep. they, they have a great college hockey team over there, too. Always yep. have been. And, and look, it's another small state that the band decided to trek through while they were trekking through many of them during this tour. And I haven't even counted how many states they did during the year 2003, but you would have to think mm. it's pretty close to like 30 or so right i mean that's a long tour at least yeah Uh, they got a lot of those in there i know they played double dates in some states and you know other places but i would think that it would be close to at least 25 if not 30 but we can count that another day because we got other things to talk about let's head into the set where we're not going to play arc at all out of respect I think we just discussed that, and we just made that apparent, so we're just going to talk over this here. This is episode 188 for us, so that is a long time to go without having to cover it. And, you know, the shows that it's been played at, like, they just haven't really been on our radar too much. I I know that when we did San Diego shows, we kind of worked in other eras. We haven't done anything from Iowa. I know that it happened at the Council Bluff show. It it just hasn't really popped up at all. It started a little bit later in that tour. Like, we've done a lot from the earlier run, but this kind of Midwestern trek that they did we haven't done a lot of these you've got you know this is pretty new to us yeah dallas little rock like i said council bluffs and then chicago montreal we'll get to mansfield obviously i mean we're gonna get uh, to chicago i think this year spoiler alert and then mexico city the last one but i'm looking forward to talking about it again because it's a unique thing that's like limited to this time period and you know it for the people who are there i'm sure it was an like an unforgettable performance like just to yeah. watch him with the loop machine there and because you know the live versions are 
a little different than the studio version. He does kind of go off as he's prone to do. Will go off a little bit and stretch his voice out and add some things here and there. Yeah, I'm sure like for everyone who was there, it, it's, it was just really special and really powerful to hear. And like, I, I wish I would have been able to see it. Yeah, the San Diego one, it's interesting because that was the first one they tried out. And yep. that was in Encore 2 right before closing the show with, I believe, Baba. And, you know, the crowd sees it's just him on stage with this little machine, this little tape machine. And he is trying to just settle everybody down. He's like, I, I have to concentrate on this. You know, I know you guys want to cheer for me, but I, I need to focus on this. And I just want you guys to listen. And he just bluntly, like, he's getting a little irritated because I think this is so, uh, I'm sure it's nerve-wracking for him because it's the first time and, they, you know, they missed the whole entire first leg of this tour in the U.S. where they could have done it. They could have done it on the Australian leg as well, but now they've decided, okay, if we're going to do it and we're going to splice it in night dates, we're going to find nine specifically in this leg right here. And... He goes to the tape machine, and I'm going to call it the tape machine. I don't know what else to call it. What would you call that? It's a loop effects. Loop. Okay, a loop, yeah. Some kind of, yeah, pedal, so, maybe. Yeah, I didn't see a pedal on it, but, I mean, yeah. you might not be wrong. Yeah. He's playing with buttons. He's kind of working with things. Once yeah. it goes, like, in the middle, he's using the fader and stuff like that, and he's kind of trying to mix it as it's going along. And, you know, the first couple times around, you can kind of hear it's pretty general. He kind of keeps it pretty easy. And then, you know, as like two or three go arounds when it gets mixed in, I'm like, oh, that's pretty beautiful. And then about the sixth or seventh time, he starts going a little bit higher, like the, hey, uh, and that's really when this thing really kicks in and just sounds awesome incredible all the voices just blending together overriding each other and uh, i think it's meant to where obviously what he's singing is supposed to be the loudest but it just after that one he did something else with his voice a little bit different and they all together just make for just this harmonious beautiful sound and you know after a while you can hear like once after about that that point, like six or seven loops of it, the crowd is just on their feet. They freaking love this. This is, you know, it's incredible kind of seeing it all unfold. I never thought before I had seen this, and I, I'd seen this a couple of years ago. I, I watched it for the first time. I, I never thought that it would be this involved, that it would garner this kind of reaction. And it does. And he really gets to stretch his voice, and, and the crowd is on top of it the whole entire time. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. You can hear it too, like when this bootleg kicks in after, you know, obviously after the performance is over, you kind of hear there's kind of a mix of like, you know, it's not a, it's not like a huge crowd reaction, but you can hear kind of the murmurs of like, that was kind of cool. And like, there's, there's a little bit of a rumbling in the audience. You know, I think the bootleg doesn't start immediately after the performance ends. It kind of lets it die and then it's going to pick back up. But you can tell there's like, there's an energy in this crowd that like, they've just seen something that's unique and singular. And like, they're definitely like on notice now, like, okay, that this is going to be pretty cool. Picture Jeff or Mike sitting there on the side of the stage watching this thing. And 
you've seen him do it a couple of times, but I think each time he's getting a little better at it. Like he's getting better at using the machine. And, you know, by the fifth time here, I think he's probably got it down. So you're seeing this guy that's in your band put all of his energy and power into this thing. And it just, yeah, I mean, we're going to talk about go in just a second. Like, it would just make me want to run through a wall watching him do this. Yeah, and it's very interesting that he decided for these shows, I believe it was starting with Little Rock. So Little Rock, Council Bluffs, and Fargo, three pretty small places that Pearl Jam hasn't played very often state-wise and city-wise. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's less than 10,000 people here, supposedly. Right, right. It seemed like it was a little over 9,000. Yeah. And it seems like coming out with this, you would think that those crowds would want like, okay, come out firing, come out with a song that we know. And you're starting off with the dedication, the tribute, as you mentioned before, that's the 14th track off the new record. And I wonder if people are thinking to themselves that, you know, the the 10 in verses type people, like, what is this? What's going on? Because it would be impossible to know by just sitting there and not having any knowledge of that album. Yeah, I can see, you know, that for some people who hadn't heard it, it could be confusing. But I think even those people are going to be going to be into it because you just can't deny the power of, of his voice and, you know, what's going on. And I think you're just going to be transfixed by it. Like, even if you'd never heard it before, you're going to watch and see this and know that something powerful is happening. Yeah, and I think that once the people that do get it really start reacting to it, because maybe in their heads they're thinking to themselves, is everybody else thinking what I'm thinking? And then other people react to it. I'm sure there are people with with tears in their eyes because it's that beautiful. And they look around, they're like, okay, this is legit a big deal. I'm invested now. I don't think it was any other way. That's the story. That's the story of this. And again, it's pretty uncommon to get to this song, this tribute. And the next time we do, we'll, we'll see where we can progress off of it. But I'm, I'm glad that we finally touched up on it today. It's something that we had been missing. Okay, to get the big intro into the show, after you're getting ARC, you want to get something more energetic and exciting in, of course to get your crowd to not dwell on what arc was and and just sort of like okay we're in the set now we're ready to go and the first three out of the gate are go do the evolution and insignificance and you mentioned before it is sick during the show and you can definitely sense that really really early on and you can sense his voice is a little hoarse and go and then evolution is just ah this is this version of Evolution was a train wreck. This was not good. Ed was forgetting lyrics, missing spots. The band had to try and follow him up. He missed the entire Hallelujah chorus and kind of went back to the I'm a head, I'm a man. And he wasn't entirely sure where he was. And they somehow found it. They somehow got through it. But it was a bumpy road with Do the Evolution in the show. Yeah, he definitely, like, forgot how the song went. But, yeah, I want to talk to you about the intro here because the other two shows that they had opened with ARC, they had gone right into Save You. Yeah. And you you just can't do ARC into Release. No. Or, or ARC into Long Road or something like that. It just doesn't work. You have to switch things up and you have to come out with some more energy. And 
this version of Go, I thought, when Mike comes in on the solo, it's just incredible. Like, the first of, like, the holy shit moments in this that make you sit up and go, like, okay, wow, he's onto something. Like, I talked about, think about them, you know, watching Ark from the side of the stage and then getting to go out and, and play something like that. Yeah, yeah they're going to be hyped up. They're going to be feeling like they're floating on a cloud playing these songs. And the solo in Go is just incredible. You know, insert whatever adjective you want to use. Like, that's definitely a highlight. But then, yeah, followed up by Evolution, you know, whether it's Ed being sick contributed to it or whether he was just still kind of caught up in the moment and, you know, not focusing on the lyrics. It is one of those kind of train wreck performances that, that seem to show up once in a while. Yeah, although Stone has a really juicy lick in there, that second solo was really, really good. I just love the tone of that. And that's the saving factor, I think. But the rest of it was just, yeah. Sometimes a train wreck can kind of affect the momentum a bit. And I was curious to see where this would go, especially after this section. There are a couple songs that don't quite fit what they're doing with the first three so uh, to end it was insignificance and i thought that this bridge was very very good the rest of the song deserves credit as well but this bridge is really where you can feel this and really where this becomes powerful there was a big fill towards the end you can feel that kind of come in and and you can hear on stone side there's a nasty slide down on the neck of this guitar and it just begins the ramp up and it was just a very excellent version yeah i mean one of the best i think you know people talk about binaural songs a lot of these songs kind of came into their own on this tour as opposed to the the 2000 tour when they were still new and still you know kind of in their infancy and being played pretty straight I think a lot of the performances in Significance being one of them, probably some of the best of this year, I think. All right, after this little section, it says there's one person that we have to thank for being here tonight, and that is Jeff. There's a big Jeff chant from the crowd. And I wonder because, like, do you think that Jeff set this whole thing up and and you know montana i believe is is next to north dakota i believe they're they're yep. adjacent yep. right they are sure so maybe it's in his head like jeff is thinking like okay this area doesn't get a lot of love and we were at south dakota a couple of years before that five years before and you know maybe he has friends maybe he knows people in north dakota i don't know where big sandy is in the mix in Montana, I would assume it would be more west since he ventured out west to go to Seattle. But, you know, the, like it's neighboring states, so he's kind of defending the north, yeah, uh, you know, Rocky Mountain territory yeah. up there. You know, it's saying it, so I have to think that probably he was pushing for it, like, guys, let's let's go play there. Let's do it. We've never been there. Let's go. Like, this right. is my this is my neck of the woods. And I think he mentions, too, like, his family's there, like, it, on the side of the stage or backstage or something. He's got some family there. So they probably made the trip from Montana to be there, which is cool. And, yeah, good for him. I mean, I'm glad, I'm glad they did it. Reminiscent of the same sort of thing that he did with Spokane, yep. where he put that together knowing that the second most populated city in Washington – had only been played in once in a weird time in 1993. So Ed points out his family and says, that's evolution, baby. We'd like to thank the Cohen brothers here as well, for obvious reasons. Nothing as it seems in half full or are in this Mike McCready pack section. And 
nothing as it seems is fantastic and i think the overall guitar tone that mike has it feels like it's kind of like a vibrato a little bit it's kind of got that underwater sound to it especially when that guitar is kind of over you know the part where shake it off for a sunny day like when that starts coming in and you hear mike kind of creeping in that background it brings a different edge to it and the rest of the song is pretty fierce and intense as well Uh, on a good roll very early on. Oh, absolutely. This is another one where I sat up and was like, God damn, he's on fire tonight. Just a fantastic performance. And even I thought Half Full was even better. I think it soared in the way that like some of the best versions of like Given to Fly or I Got Shit or some of the other kind of soaring Pearl Jam songs, Immortality, things like that. I think it's up in that level here, thanks to Mike. And then Cameron at the end of Half Full as well, just amazing. Like some of these Riot Act songs on here sound so good live. And they're letting me one of the running themes. And like, of course, we're behind a couple of shows here. We don't know what happened in Imola after that. But as of this point, they have not played anything from Riot Act on this current tour. So we're wondering, like, what's going on? Why aren't they doing that? And going back and listening to this, it's like, wow, it's some of these songs that they had been able to stick around, like Riot Act Live. I know a lot of people, if, if you're one of those people that maybe doesn't have Riot Act high up on your album rankings, you still have to give it, like, as live performances go, some of the best live performances from an album are the Riot Act songs on this tour in this year. It's really, really good, and these two back-to-back are just spectacular. Yeah, and I think there are going to be six in total. They're kind of dispersed in the main set a little bit. And I agree, it's a good year for the new songs, and they go back to them very often. What's weird about this show is there is no saving. That had to been really, really rare for 2003, I think. So, but we do get a lot of the other ones, including one that's going to come up in just a second that really, really doesn't get played a whole lot. So Ed says we're getting warmed up. There's a band called the Ramones who have played 2,300 shows and they've never played in Fargo. That means this song has never been played in Fargo. And of course, that means I believe in miracles. It's the fourth performance of this. And I'll say full performance because they had tagged it a lot in 96 and 92, 93, whenever it was. And, you know, I think for miracles, in the early, early versions when they were doing it back then. And I think we talked about like either the fifth or the sixth 
version last year, or actually both of them, because I think one was in Clarkston and the other was in East Troy, if I'm not mistaken. So we've talked about both of them. And in the early versions, the guitars just have a lot of grit to them, a lot of distortion. Ed's got his like roar in his voice, even on this night where he doesn't really have his fastball or, or anything like that. It sounds like there's a presence for it. It sounds like there's a personality to it. When they play it now, it's a little bit too like friendly and fun and poppy and bubbly in a way. And I much prefer when they were doing it much early on in this era. I agree. I think you know everybody knows Ed's Ramones fandom to the extent of that. I think a lot of it, the early ones, they were really trying to do it justice and to play it like the Ramones played it. And over time, as cover songs do, especially with them, they kind of morphed and became more of a different kind of thing that they can put their stamp on. But yeah, early on, I mean, it's basically them just becoming the Ramones for, for two minutes. It's pretty good. And as we mentioned on the show, this is at a time in history where the Ramones have lost two of their members and Johnny was very sick at the time. So the Ramones were on a lot of people's minds and that's definitely why they brought this to the table. A two-punch combo of Riot Act songs followed the Ramones cover here with I Am Mine and Help Help. And... I thought that they were just really, really tight on iMind. Like, that bridge felt like they took it and extended it to another level up there. It felt like it kind of had a second wind almost, and and they really ramped up on that and had this big surge that I thought was just very, very good, which you get in the song, but it's not every day that it does happen. It's not every performance, especially now. It'll feel more like, okay... They put it together, but it kind of is just part of the song. This felt a little bit like they were on another stratosphere in the middle of this and then ramped up to the end and finished it on such a high note. But I really, really love this performance of I Am Mine. Because the potential for it is there. Like, it's always there every time for him to be, like, just to take it over and to make it one of those all-time legendary 
song performances that that he can do it could be up there with with black and immortality and and things like that but it just wasn't meant to be but yeah these two back to back very very good and help help another one we we don't ever talk about it's only been played 13 times which again criminal biggest sleeper in this catalog oh yeah not one that's that's going to be on many people's like top 10 list of pearl jam songs myself included but some very very good performances this year happy to have it here because it's very good time wondering why this has only been played a, 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 I think it's 13 times and the reason why and I, I listened to it a little carefully is that there are a lot of really tough changes from like and this is a Jeff song where Jeff songs can kind of be a little bit more artistic like that a little bit more nuanced and I, I, I think those, that those are nice maybe, ways to say weird that's okay the bass player yeah has weird songs it's okay it happens, and somebody's got to do it, right? Yep. So, and they hit it. They hit everything in this. Like, there was nothing that felt like it was uneasy or anything like that, but there's just so many instances where, like, they're ramped up, and then, boom, like, it, it feels like they're just, they just drop right away, and they drop the tempo, and they worked on it, and, and it became, it was a really good performance, and I guess that... The idea of that and maybe the fear of that a little bit of just like having to focus on hitting all that, maybe that's in the back of their minds and they're like, okay, we really have to be in some sort of good mood and really feel it uh, musically to, to be able to do it. And that's why it didn't really get the love, not much love in this era and not much love after it, but it's powerfully intense. And I guess crowds might have a tough time connecting with it because of the deep cut sort of status on it it being the 11th track on ride act yeah and it, it kind of found a home in 2018 when they started doing the beatles the help, help intro yeah intro to it so it kind of came like help cute or something whatever you want to call that but that's interesting that it like you know because they brought it back once in 2016 after not playing it since pj20 and it'll be interesting to see if that that help 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 version sticks around after because as far as shows go that wasn't that long ago so they could still pull that out if they need to i wonder if we'll see that at all this year 
We get into a section now that is going to have another Riot Act song in between the sandwich of Daughter and Evenflow in between the hits. This is, it's, it's, it's interesting that it's kind of in between these. Like, you would think that a lot of these shows that we've covered lately, when they do a hit, they're on the momentum to do, like, two or three in a row. Like, when Daughter's up, Jeremy's up next, and then Better Man's up next. In that fashion, maybe not those songs in order, but it's interesting that you're putting, and I love you are, this is not a slight on you are at all, but you're putting this song in between the two instead of riding off the momentum that Daughter is going to have. And with the momentum being a little weird at the show because of Ed, I, I'm, I'm just curious at the choice. Yeah, I think it was more of transitioning from, you have a lot of riot act early on here. Of course, you're, you're going to open up with Ark, which counts. And then you've got Half Full, Cover Song, Two Riot Act, Daughter, Another Riot Act. I think it's it's more of transitioning from that early middle to the late part of the set. I don't know. UR is, is another one that's just like, how has this not been played more? Especially, you know, we talked about the kind of similarities to Dance of the Clairvoyance, and we thought like, oh, that'll be a perfect back-to-back combination there those to get those two together and it just hasn't happened but daughter again you you kind of you're kind of seeing some of the effects of ed's sickness he kind of has a hard time with the tag a little bit and it, i think stone really picks up that that little he does jam something there. different right and he's he's working on a little bit more of an accented kind of rhythm there and it, it sounds good you know he's kind of there to be it's a right-hand man, you know, and when, when he can't pick it up, you know, Stone's going to be there to, to lead the way, and he's definitely leading this version of Daughter. It was, it was cool to hear, you know. You get a little bit of the androgynous mind, which is the fallback of, like, here here's an easy tag that he doesn't have to, like, go crazy on. But, yeah, the, this, is, this is more about Stone, I think. Yeah, no, I fully agree. I heard the same thing, and I had never heard something like that from Androgynous Mind before, so that definitely perked my ear. I had also, before this song, had not heard a thing from the crowd, like, in the song, like, you know, focusing on back and forth. There are not a lot of, you know, Evolution is the one that maybe everybody gets involved with. Yeah, but it was such a train wreck. Exactly, yeah, they didn't get a chance. Yeah, Right. So, I mean, it's it's good that you kind of have this here, like Daughter, and then Evenflow after you are, and then Better Man. Like, it gives the crowd an opportunity to have a lot to, to do and a lot to celebrate here. But also, like you mentioned, Ed has to acknowledge, you guys did good, you guys sang good, but my voice is a little off tonight. And you are definitely catered more to his voice. You know, he messes up a little bit in the middle of a chorus. It sounded like he said, excuse me, actually. Did, did you notice that? Um, yeah, there was something like that. I couldn't tell exactly what it was, but that does make sense, yeah. Obviously, ending this little thing with Evenflow, and the first thing I thought of at this point was that this set needed an injection of energy. I didn't feel like the crowd was deflated, but it needed to feed off of it again. You know what I mean? Daughter's good for that, but not good in the way that Evenflow is. It doesn't bring a spark like Evenflow does. However, yeah. I think, and obviously Ed has the line, I can't help when, I, when I'm sick, I feel insane. I think what's interesting here from Five Horizons to note, and we don't have video of this one, of course, because it seems like the last five weeks or so we haven't had any video. Apparently, 
the band isn't very happy with Mike soloing. Apparently, he goes on too long. I, that can't be right, right? Yeah, I don't know. I, I saw that as well. The quote is, it says they, he drags it out over several minutes and the band seems impatient with him, like kind of staring at him with not too happy looks on their faces, which, you know. Maybe they were just we, in awe. We weren't there. We don't know. And, you know, there's another lyric change where Ed says something, oh, it's so fucking hot. You know, and I wonder. I thought he said, I'm fucking high. I'm in the legal halls of shame. Oh, okay. I thought it sounded like hot. We're like, you know, this is June, but they're they're in a dome. So, but I, I wonder if it was more of like they know that he's not doing well, and usually when he does that, Mike will go off so Ed can like leave the stage and go drink some honey tea or Gatorade or whatever he's doing to kind of make himself feel better. But that's strange. We don't usually see that, and I wonder, you know, because this is based on someone who was there. And someone obviously noticed it, but I wonder, yeah, I wonder what was going on there. You know, if, if you were there, let us know if you remember anything like that. But, yeah, it's definitely unique. That's such a small detail. You had to probably be up front or talk to somebody that saw something. And, again, no video, so we can't really bring in the investigation on this. But when have they ever just been angry at Mike for soloing. Uh, yeah, my guess is that yeah. they were just like looking at what he was doing because his solo was great, of course. And my guess is they were just like, if not in awe, then just like getting lost in what he was doing. And yeah. maybe they were just deadpan. Who who the hell knows? But yeah, yeah the, the crowd is energized in this. There's definitely an injection of that energy. And I feel like this is really where the show starts to take off a little bit and things start to really feel like you're in the middle of something pretty good, pretty exciting. And that's where better man kind of comes in. And Ed at the very beginning asked to hear it from the crowd. And wouldn't you believe it? He does. When those things happen, you're waiting for that response. And now you got a couple in a row here that the crowd has really been included on, and it kind of feels like a whole different game now because of that. Let's hear you. that unlike the Boise crowd that seemed to be up for just about everything, the Fargo crowd is a hits crowd. It seems like they want the hits. It seems like the deeper cuts maybe, and especially the new Riot Act songs, maybe just don't attach as much as Daughter Even Flow Better Man, which for obvious reasons, but with all that being said, later on the show they don't play alive, so that's very interesting. How many more of these are you really going to get involved in this? But what do you have on Better Man? Because I thought that this was fantastic as well. It is very good. And like you said, the crowd takes it. You can tell that Ed's into it because he is not just singing along with him. He kind of goes off and is trying to like harmonize with them. Like he's kind of kind of weaving around what they're singing and trying to add stuff to it, like kind of over the top of it, which is very cool, which you don't hear very often. 
So I thought that was a nice acknowledgement of like, yes, he, you know, they're, they're doing a good job. He's acknowledging that and trying to add something to it and make it special. Pulling out that one note, you thought with his voice being sick, like that he wouldn't attempt something like that, but yeah, he holds yeah. that for so long. That feels like a staple of that time and after, but just to say that you're going to go for it instead of saying, no, I'm going to take it safe. Like, that's what this is about here. You're not doing it for yourself. You're doing it for everybody that is never going to get to see you again because you don't go back to North Dakota. And maybe, you know, he kind of went for it. Maybe he wasn't up for the save it for later tag, but there is still a great jam at the end of this as well. Very, very good. Yeah, the crowd makes a ton of noise after this. I consider this to be a show-stopping moment. Better Man is usually one of the in the bunch that are, and uh, this one especially, I thought, had a lot working for it. Now, we're getting very, very close, but Ed, while the crowd is making all this noise, says, hey, you didn't have to work. This is another love song with a bondage twist to it, and that gets you into whimping, which is just, all I got to say is fast, intense, and they beat the shit out of this version. Yeah, you hadn't really gotten a fast one really since Go. I mean, Evolution is a little more up-tempo, but I wouldn't put it in the category of like punk. The, the punk rock songs that Pearl Jam has. Yeah, absolutely. But this was, you know, you did it. You, you got Miracles, obviously, the Ramones cover, but a lot of mid-tempo stuff up until now. So, yeah, this needed, I thought, a little injection of energy, and Whipping does that 100%. And I think they probably needed an injection of energy because they weren't too confident with what was going to happen next. I'll tee it up. You can knock down the bowling pins. After 69 shows, In My Tree returns to the set list. The intro is extended. You know exactly what this is now where they would kind of work off of it a little bit and then really perfect it at Madison Square Garden that year. And this is almost like an In My Tree improv. John, take it away. Yeah, this is the one I was talking about at the beginning of the show. This is just one of my absolute favorite things that Pearl Jam has ever done, on stage or otherwise. And I think the reason is I think it's an improv, but it's something that he can do off the cuff like this and just kind of make something beautiful out of nothing. Because this absolutely could have been one of those train wrecks, like Evolution was a little bit earlier on, like something like a like a Satan's bed earlier, something like Mankind has been when they try to bring it back and it doesn't really work.
long and then he kind of goes off and you're like okay like maybe they're gonna cut it short and you're just gonna get a little bit of it because this is the beginning of the new version of in my tree and instead he he goes off on this little improv and you know obviously you're gonna hear it but you know it's like still growing still breathing still avoiding dying still playing still loving still avoiding crying and i think that this performance just encompasses everything that they'd been through over the last few years of this band still growing still breathing still avoiding dying still playing still loving still avoiding crying yeah. as the crow things where you're getting an inside look into his head and what he's thinking about and what's going on and this version of in my tree i think is just transcendent and i love this and i I listen to it all the time probably once a week i have it on my phone so i can you know it comes up on the shuffle or i can pull it up whenever i need to and when he goes into that part like the still growing still breathing when that starts it gets me every single time especially you know it's one of those things that especially after you know getting older and you know you talk about some of the earlier Pearl Jam stuff like I've gotten everything I can get out of that stuff like I don't need to hear 10 again because I've gotten everything I need to get out of it's not gonna give me something new but I think kind of the magic of these middle kind of Pearl Jam records is that I still get stuff out of them binaural and riot act especially you know as I've gotten older and I'm in my 40s now I've got young kids and stuff and like this hits a little bit differently in my 40s than it did in my 20s especially after becoming a parent and all that stuff is in here because you know Ed's going through that stuff too in 2003 he's he's getting older he's becoming a parent that that stuff's happening for him and I think this is just one of the most powerful performances of a song. To be able to pull something like this out of your head in the moment is just the sign of genius. That's a pretty honest assessment of that. Anything that I have to say, which is pretty much the meat and potatoes of what it was, and you went into something way more deeper, which I, I all I got to say is that I'm all in for deconstructed versions of songs and it doesn't happen very often it feels like this time period between like you know late 90s and then going into 06 where they really reworked garden a little bit they were thinking about that but they aren't thinking about these things as much anymore so it's good to see it's good that they worked off of it afterwards and then went in to do this type of version which was really perfected at the other shows and really involved boom which i love probably the most out of those 
and look, it's a good song to do it off of because it already feels like this song is kind of a, a free spirit in a way where it feels like it's soaring. It feels like it's atmospheric, but it also feels like if you wanted to take it in a different direction, if you wanted to do a drum intro on it, like Jack used to do, if you wanted to change the lyrics up, if you wanted to extend the ending, something like that, you could. And, and I don't think people can bat an eye. That's why you look at a version like this and it works. It does work. The improv part that you said before, it all feels like it's a part of what the story of this song is. Absolutely. And then, you know, this is kind of, like I said, this is kind of the rebirth of In My Tree because they would go on to do it a bunch more times on the rest of this tour, but they never did it again like this. It never had this improv part again. And it leads up to the, you know, the Santa Barbara show where Jack comes out and plays on it, but they still do it this way even with Jack. They still do the guitar version, and then the, the the drums come in later. It's just magical. One of my absolute favorite things ever. That's a lot for you right there. That's a bulk of your talking time. I'm going to have to deduct some more talking time. I mean, I'm, I'm out of words. You're going to have to take it from here. <laughs> well, I think I can, because I really... <laughs> the next song is thumbing my way, and I really... I loved this version. It, it's got a, uh, it's got electric to it. It's it's played on electric a little bit, and two seconds in, it just has this sort of beautiful development that it, it blossoms and it blooms as it go along. And it just, I'm just enamored by it by listening. It's honest. It's soulful. And there's even like in the beginning to cut into the verse. There's kind of a pause. You know what I'm talking about? The pause kind of reminds me of like the better man pause where right before the whoa like right before that where he's kind of waiting on it for a second and then goes in it it had that and i thought that was very interesting because i don't think that he's done that on any other song especially i've never heard this on thumbing my way before Is 
definitely aided by the energy and the, the kind of magic that came off of In My Tree. I think if you, because you know, the next song is, is Spin the Black Circle. And I think if you go from that version of In My Tree into Spin the Black Circle, you lose that. But I think that coming into Thumbing My Way is something that's a little slower and a little more atmospheric that can kind of capture some of that same energy and, and magic, I think helped it a lot. Yeah, I think these two back-to-back very, very good as well. It seemed like the kind of magic that came from this version, the kind of emotion that and these versions don't sound alike for obvious reasons, but the, the kind of version that it reminded me of was kind of like Benaroya because I think yeah. that when I'm listening to Benaroya version, I'm listening to it and you don't get any crowd reaction. Everybody's just watching on with amazement and they're just respectful and following along. And it seemed like the same kind of vibe was going on during this. You don't get like just a sudden outburst of clapping. It feels like everybody was locked into the moment. And that's when you know that you're watching the band on stage and you're reacting to their emotions. And it was a perfect moment for that. This is just very good. I think it will come back for me, absolutely. I've always thought that the best thumbing my way was the chop suey version the video version i think that's excellent but this one is right in contention for like for best thumbing my way of all time i think sure no doubt about it for sure yeah this this had something special to it spin a black circle and porch are going to end your main set spin a black circle it had moments where it was okay it might have been a little bit sloppy I, i just don't think that this song is really conditioned to be the best kind of song to be played on a night where Ed is clearly not 100%. Yeah, I can see that. And I think they wanted to, to get another one in here and wanted to, to get a fast one in to get some more energy that's, before you build up into, into Porch. And like, you, you'll you see Spin the Black Circle here in this spot a lot throughout the years. And I get it. But yeah, it's a lot like what you would get if they would probably tried to play it now, minus the down tuning and, and things like that. But yeah, it's not the greatest performance, but it, it does the job of like getting everyone ramped up for what comes next. Which is Porch, and it has another very good mic solo in it. And the thing that really sparked my mind is that it has the Warpigs tag, but it's, it's not just the little part that they usually do. It's kind of got a riff going on with it as well, and it lasts for a little bit.
what's going on for a little bit. Ed starts improving some lyrics here. If I could take back, if I could change, some things I would change. And I think it kind of goes up to the same lines of, of In My Tree that I think there were a lot of words in his head that he needed to find a spot for somewhere in the set, and he got more out than I think he, he thought he would. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I think they're definitely related. After In My Tree, it put him in a different mindset as far as the rest of the show. Like, he's thinking about things, and you can always tell when that's happening because he, he will throw in these little improv lines. And I think, yeah, the, this porch improv is, is definitely connected in My Tree. I think you're definitely right there. Again, hits are front and center. Porch feels like a huge, massive moment with the enormous ending here. And that's the way the crowd is feeling it this on this night. They, they love the 10 songs. They love Better Man. They love Daughter. And I think that is a lot of what we're seeing now, too, where they're going back to these far more often than not for very obvious reasons. But they know it's a guaranteed reaction. And for a lot of people that might be thinking and have been thinking this the whole time, like too much 10, too much this, too much that not necessarily wrong but the band knows that if they need a spot to get that massive sing-along to get that massive reaction where the crowd is going up and down and, and there's energy going these are guarantees especially right now when they don't want to go out and remember a hundred songs in their catalog guarantees are good that's all i'll say all right we're in the encore. Let's pause for station identification. Talk a little bit about liveonfourlegs.com. Talk a little bit, a little bit about patreon.com slash liveonfourlegs. And let's take a minute to thank six brand new patrons who joined. Thanks to all of the reaction episodes that we've been doing. So let's just shout them out. All bonus leg members, some monthly, some yearly. Love them all. Anders Duckert, Jay Gillespie, Christian Bach, Rocky Wright, Mark Wilkinson, and Bev Mackey. Thank you, everybody. That was an awesome week. Thank you so much for pitching in. Hope you enjoy the content. We mentioned it before, all of the reaction episodes that are happening right now, that that's what we're focused on. That's what we're working on, even though there's other things in the back of our minds that we're, we're also studying up on and working on as well. Evolution episodes, we mention it every week. But again, we're, we're hopefully building up to the moment where we say, hey, it's here. When we say it's coming, when we say we're, we're working on it, just trust us. We, we got this handled. We've been doing this for a while. So... But again, the reaction episode is what we're really working on, and those will be ongoing for the next month or so uh, until, I believe, the last show is Amsterdam. Yeah, so we'll be on this for a while, and, and if you've been following along on the shows on our social media where we've been tweeting live and we've been updating Setlist Live on Facebook and had a lot of people share their live stream to the Pearl Jam Podcast community group on Facebook, if you're not on that, definitely join that because there's a lot going on. There's always things I, I want it to be very interesting active over there and it seems like we get a good reaction from everybody that is involved so thank you if you're one of those people if you're not then please head on over and, and, and join up and join the conversation that's all the stuff that we got going on and if you want more of it it's patreon.com slash live on four legs the bonus like tier is a dollar a month that's it and you get all of the exclusives the Giggle Egg tier is $5 a month. You get a requested episode for us to do in the future. 
And then there's the Horizon Leg tier, which is a $10 tier, and you will get all of the above, as well as a profile on liveonfourlegs.com, which we'll talk about in a second, and a profile on Patreon, where you'll talk about your Pearl Jam fandom. Those are pretty good deals right there. And look, all I'll say is a dollar a month or $10 for the entire year is going to get you all of these exclusives. If you want to keep up and you want to know what's going on and you want some instant analysis and something to sort of bounce your ideas off of, then this is where you want to go. So liveonfourlegs.com, though, has been very busy, guys. The Concertpedia recaps. And look, the recaps are different than the instant reaction because the instant reaction is a little bit more of opinions and a little bit more of thoughtful analysis. And the recaps are just focusing on what happened, focusing on the facts and digging into little, little things like with Zurich, how daughter had the tags of WMA leash and glorified G like that sort of thing. You'll see that because if you haven't been paying attention, say you're working during the day when, when the European shows happen and you really haven't found a way to kind of find out information or all you see are the songs in the set list, then this is a good replacement for all that. And I think if you haven't read them yet, then you're really going to enjoy reading them because we've done some really good work on them so far. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun to get those while they're fresh. And even if you went to the shows, it'll be good to kind of go back and and relive some of the moments that you might have forgotten. Or correct us. Yeah, absolutely. And two, I want to say too, you know, we're kind of getting to the point where we've got a little bit of a substantial back catalog on Patreon there. You know, there's a lot of stuff. There's hours and hours and hours of stuff to go back to. So I hope that if you're one of the newer patrons that have just joined up or if you're thinking about doing it like i said earlier join up for a month or so and go back and check out some of that stuff you know all the stuff that's that's on live on legs.com or on the patreon app all kinds of stuff that we've done bonus episodes and all the different stuff we've done over the last few years is on there so i hope people are getting a chance to check that out Patreon doesn't really make it easy for you guys, unfortunately, so if you do need help, I would say check out liveonfourlegs.com first because all of the episodes are archived there, but if you want specifically to know what's on the Patreon site, then get in touch. Liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com will let you know what's available and how you can find it. So if you're interested in that, get in touch. That's it. It's easy. We're accessible. That's all I got to say about that. Until I say, back to the rock. Okay, so uh, here is a little guy, kind of funny looking, you know, in a general kind of way coming out. I believe his name is Ed. And says, on behalf of the band and Idlewild, who started this show, thanks so much. I wasn't feeling that well tonight, and it hurts because you've been great. I was just intimidated by all of Jeff's family. All of a sudden, it freaked me out because my family's going to be in Chicago in a few days, and I'm getting the shakes. And yeah, we Ed's grandma was there in Chicago. She got a couple shout-outs. It's waking up from the wrong side of the bed. It's not the wrong side of the bed. It's just that the bed was in Minnesota. There's some digs in Minnesota. I don't know. Like, I, I guess that's like because it's so close, and they're you know, I, Fargo's yeah, on the, the, the border, pretty yeah. close, right? Yeah. So the, that make they're rivals. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Everyone's having a great time. 
I'm getting a second chance, so here we go. We kick off the encore with Corduroy, which doesn't happen very often. That's kind of exciting to see it there. And then Animal's going to follow up on that tight version of Corduroy. More energy, more hits. Another reason for the crowd uh, to get over with the crowd favorites. I don't know if this was initially on the set list or not, but they definitely needed to come back with something like this instead of you know an acoustic or something to start you off a little bit slower i I think that corduroy was a good option for this and mike had a really cool simplistic solo very simplistic but it sounded exactly where it needed to be and then for animal it's another moment where ed can turn to the crowd get a little help and they oblige it's very fun it's very exciting mike is in full eddie van halen mode and animal as well just a rocking two songs right here Yep, you, you covered it. I'm out of words. It's uh, You got more to say about In My Tree? I, I Sure, we can go back to that. I'll, maybe we'll do a Patreon exclusive where I'll do like a whole 30-minute breakdown of it. But um, <laughs> yeah, coming back from this encore, it's just they're just being crowd-friendly now because the main set for all of its excellent, excellent performances and all of the good stuff that's in there, it was kind of lacking in those sing-alongs and those kind of crowd moments. So they're going to front-load this encore with them right here. Yep, absolutely. And then move on to Small Town, which I feel like we got Small Town last week and we get it this week. And that's a nod to the small towns that oh, they're in. Yep. But the first couple, I think Casper, we were saying they, they had sound checked with it, right? And they never ended so. up playing right. it. Right. And then they didn't play it in Augusta. Or maybe they did. I can't remember. And I don't think they played it in Rapid City. So now they kind of figured it out. Like, okay, you got to play small town in small towns for it to work the, the way it does. So Yeah, and he's, I think in, in Boise, he, you know, oh, this one's from Moscow, Idaho. You know, I think he, right. he looked at a map before the show and was like, I'm going to find the little, the smallest Or they town were driving on the tour bus or something sure. like that. Sure. Yeah, I think you can pretty much pick at almost any town in North Dakota and probably say it works for that. Yeah. Again, that's coming from somebody that knows very, very little about North Dakota and admitted it very early in the show. Uh, the thing I noticed with this is that I think the couple of versions of the song that we've gotten lately have been very anthemic. They've been more electric, and this one has a little bit of distortion in, in spots. And, yeah, I think the, the anthemic arena rock version of this is really starting to grow on me a lot more than it used to. It has that Bruce Springsteen kind of energy to yep, it. It kind of feels exactly bringing, bringing in the whole entire crowd and not pandering to them and just kind of letting them in when there's a chance to let them in and just hearing them and opening up for them to sing the hello line and the hearts and thoughts line. And I just thought it was just fantastic. Another great crowd performance. It's keep on coming, right? Yeah, the Springsteen good call because there's like you know the campfire versions and some of the stuff that we get and then there's the more theatrical versions that we get now but these versions might be my favorite where it's a little more upbeat it's a little got a little more energy behind it but yeah very good small town again giving the crowd another another chance here another in the same boat as help help is slime a hand that really doesn't seem to get a lot of respect from the crowd or deserving respect from the crowd. And I think it's just been one of those songs where, you know, I, I got to hear it live and it didn't really do anything for me live. And I think it was just kind of at, at the time 
too deep of a cut for me where I didn't really focus on that one as much. Hmm. I got and, this one time and it whew, highlight. I got yeah. it was Columbia. They played it in in 2016 and it was whew, fantastic. And I'm hoping to, to get it again because I definitely see it in a different mindset hmm. now. And I think that it being played in the spot too, maybe the band thinks like, okay, you know, we want to keep trying stuff like this. We want to see if it goes over big because you wouldn't think that sleight of hand would be sort of the penultimate song for an encore, so to speak. Like, you know, sleight of hand into rear view mirror. That's, you know, a legendary combo, so to speak. But, you know, it just keeps rising up that list of songs that have this gravitational pull. And I always say if a song brings immediate visuals into your head, which I think they're the lyrics in this definitely call for a lot of visuals it counts as something pretty special and something that can really take a hold of you too and i thought you know the imagery was good whenever i listened to it and it's kind of considered a late in life pearl jam song i suppose yeah and i think you know you're talking about the placement of it i think ed even says before it starts like oh this is not the average it's not normal but we're, we're gonna try it so they know that this is a weird spot for this. And he even adds in the lyric, too. He says, you know, another man, he says, like me, moved by sleight of hand. And this is before, you know, in the in the later years, we've kind of gotten the story behind it. It's about him with some of the jobs he was working at in San Diego and stuff. And he's, he's told the story in the later years. But this was before that. This is another one we're getting a little bit of insight into the song. And, like, it's a little autobiographical, which is cool. But... Yeah, Sleight of Hand's one that, like, it always makes me kind of sit up and take notice whenever it shows up, because it's always very good. One of my low-key favorites. All right, we have an eight-minute version of Rear of a Mirror to talk about here. There's a lot to like. A real lot to like. There's Matt Stone. Cameron, ladies and gentlemen. Matt Cameron. I, yeah, there's, I mean, there's a lot of experimental stuff going on here, but Stone sort of has, like, a fading riff effect early in the bridge it just like it just a different feel to it again and and i think stone is being the most experimental out of the bunch for a little bit it didn't last too long but mike had a legit solo that he was working on in this version and that doesn't ever happen yeah you know it's usually a little more rhythmic and a little more kind of pulsating instead of being a an out and out solo but this is up there i mean you add it to the list of, you know, 500 fantastic versions of Rear View Mirror. Yep. I think that, not to bury this at all, but whenever you have a Rear View Mirror that kind of keeps opening up, last week I mentioned, like, opening it up for Jeff, there's so many moments where you're kind of at the edge of your seat, like, okay, you're waiting for that, and, and Jeff is kind of giving you almost like that little teaser of what he does before going into it, and here... There are like two or three things. It kind of is teased for about uh, a couple minutes where you kind of feel like you're on that edge and you're waiting for that and it doesn't happen. And then when it does, it, it sort of comes out of nowhere in a way because you just kind of been restrained to, yeah, okay, this isn't the time for it. But I, I love that little part. I love when they give you something to anticipate and then the moment happens. And that's kind of that cathartic feeling. Right? You know, it's one of the things in the Pearl Jam set list I think that most people would tell you that it just is ready to ignite you with the end of the song and how powerful that is. Like, that's all Jeff right there.
this song wasn't single-handedly torpedoed my fantasy team this year. No. Uh, it's only been played once out of the ten shows so far. They didn't even play it for Roland. just unthinkable. Like, how are you only going to play Rear Mirror once in ten shows? Hopefully that will turn around and uh, we'll get to hear it some more. But please, God. Don't let them fall out of love with the song. Please, please let it stick around because it's always very, very good. It's possible. I don't know. I really don't know. It's possible. But, look, if you're giving a fantasy update, I got to get my fantasy update. I just bumped into second place pretty handily here, getting a 21 point day and yeah, yeah. two three song streaks, which got me, I think, until like 19 points within the two streaks. And then I had Crazy Mary giving me cover points. Yeah, yeah. Day. People can go to Live Footsteps and, and check the yeah, standings there. Keep up with yeah, that as the tour goes on. And we'll be doing that in the future, too. So follow it up. And then if that's something you're interested in, let us know when the next round comes around. Encore 2 is here. Ed said Minnesota can wait. But half of you are from Minnesota, right? Okay, then good night. We'll see you tomorrow. And says that this one is just him and Cameron, which I guess I didn't realize before. <laughs> I don't know why. It yeah. just didn't really yeah. just didn't really sink into me. So this is the reworked version of I Am a Patriot that they used in 2003. And it's very specifically set in this era. And Patriot has had a long history of many, many different faces and varieties where even now when they did the Earthlings did it a couple times and I think they did it at the Global Citizens vaccination special and that had a different feel to it and then before that like you have to think of that they have completely fast versions of Patriot then slow to fast versions of Patriot and then sometimes straight out acoustic versions of of Patriot so they've, they've worked with this a whole heck of a lot I never cared for this version as much. I never did. That changed when I listened to this one. couple times where I heard it I'm just like it doesn't fit with the nature of the song so I don't get it I didn't get it and I don't know if I get it per se but I get the parts that I really like and it's the way that Ed's riff is blending in with the hits that that camera is coming up just that every single time like it's just like like that brings so much to the song and like a, a tension and a mystique and like I mean he's a, he's a masterclass drummer but like this it really makes this kind of feel like it deserved this opportunity 
to sound like this instead of just saying like this was sort of improv on the fly and we worked with this and then we never did it again like this feels like they could have ended up doing this at a later time and it still would have worked you know it's got some tension to it and it's got a little bit of give and take to it and like some of the best performances have that kind of energy where like this could fall apart at any moment it's kind of being held together and it's it's making its way through that always adds a a unique kind of energy to a song this does kind of start off a little bit awkward like it kind of felt like they weren't really confident in it but it picks up the ending it's very very good and ed's doing almost like a whisper growl at the end i think which is cool and adds a little bit to the song as well but Again, at this point, we're done with Pearl Jam songs. Like, this is just going to yep. be cover, cover, cover. That's right. So, you know, let, let the celebration begin of sorts. And we still get an Ain't No Fucking Republican either, so that is an added bonus. And at the time, there's no other way to go about that. Crazy Mary and then Baba is going to end you out here. And I think, like, this nine-minute version of Crazy Mary is just right from the jump. Here we go. You know what you're anticipating, you know what you're getting into, it's just, how is it all going to be unveiled? Right when Boom jumps in, he's going pretty wild on this, he gets a couple uh, minutes to just do his thing, and then Mike kind of seeps in, he's getting his thing for a couple minutes, and then, of course, we've seen this moment before, they lock eyes, and they're like, you ready? Yeah. You ready? Uh Uh-huh. Let's go. And this is a very, very good duel, I really enjoyed this one, it was just fun, it felt like they were bouncing off of each other really well, and, you know, Mike takes it away, and then Boone comes back and shows a little bit of what he's got, and it's a great duel between the two of them, and very even playing level here. At, like, it's just a, a high-tiered level version of the duel, and this is still very early on. Last week we talked about Crazy Mary before the Boom era, and it's it's interesting to see, because that was, like, what, five and a half minutes, and this yep. is nine, so yep. just in a flash of an eye, It completely changed, and I think that, of course, the Crazy Mary that we know today is very much like this and very much celebrated. Yeah, I mean, it became the showstopper. You know, 2003, we talked about Porch, but, you know, Porch wasn't being played every night. Porch wouldn't come back into prominence until probably 2005, 2006, where it started to, to ramp up again. So you think of your showstoppers in 2003, Crazy Mary's right there. Because, you know, you're getting the boom aspect added in, and it was new at the time. And, it, yeah, the boom and Mike relationship that, that started here is very, very good. And, like, you put up your good versions of Crazy Mary, you know, you talk about Grand Rapids, you always talk about Mountain View from 2003, you know, one of my Ottawa. favorites of all time, Ottawa. This one's, this one's right there, too. It's fantastic. There's not a lot that you're not satisfied with. Let's just put it that way. They always seem to bring it on this one. So, can't say much more. And you mentioned it, party atmosphere. So, that's a great one to party during because they're likely drinking out of wine glasses. So, that's where the party's at. And the party's going to finish off with Baba. I thought the crowd is a great moment to have the crowd sing on and, and react to to close your night out. And Ed's trying to exhaust that scream the same way he was trying to exhaust the, the rear view mirror one. And he, he can't get to it. He can't hit it on that night. And I think nobody was expecting him to anyway. But there was a nice little solo extension at the end of this, too, that I thought was really good. And, and look, just fun. 
you're just ending. You're not finishing on a, a an alive. You're not finishing with Ledbetter here. There were some songs that were definitely not on the set list that you kind of expect, but Baba is definitely one of the choices. So there's uh, nothing wrong with it, and that gets you to the end of the night after 26 songs. Yeah, great show. I mean, Bob O'Reilly is the ultimate arena rock moment. More than Rockin' in the Free World, more than I've Got a Feeling or, you know, a lot of the stuff they were doing in, in 2003 gives the crowd a chance. Everybody knows it, so everybody gets one more chance to, to sing along and throw their hands up in the air. and It's you know, cathartic to, to the, sing it. The windmills, absolutely. Yeah, just a great moment. Okay. You're up first this week, John, and you have to pick other songs. You have to you understand this. You have right? to do shit. No, no, no. These are the rules of Live on Four Legs. You've agreed to these rules for the last three years, sir. <sighs> I'm gonna have to go read the fine print in my in my contract. Um, oh, you don't want you don't want to read the fine print. Because mm-hmm. you're locked in for life, my friend. No, I can I can give you I can give you some moments. This is a good show. I like this show. My number three is gonna be the combination of arc and to go to begin with and obviously we we don't have the recording of arc so i can't really go off on that but we talked about it a lot but i think this version of go was definitely helped along by the energy that that arc most likely created and i thought it was just a dynamite way to start the show and just mike immediately tearing the roof off of this place in fargo my number two gonna be how about give, give me half full Half Full really impressed me, and in kind of that spot where you would normally see a given to fly or a corduroy or something like that that's going to soar, I thought it really did the job. And Cameron at the end, I'm very impressive along with Mike Solo. And my number one, I mean, do I really? Oh, sorry, have to, we have we we we're out of time. We have yeah, we have to go, I mean, everybody. So yeah, we're we're my number one's probably. Gonna I don't be, think you'll ever figure it out. It's going to be do the evolution. I really it was a it was a <laughs> interesting version. I thought really. No, I'm, it's gonna be the encore two on, break. Come on, in my tree forever and ever and ever. It's one of the big reasons why it's my favorite Pearl Jam song. I'm gonna have a completely different list than you. I don't know what to do for number three. It's between Better Man and Rearview Mirror, so uh, Rearview Mirror is more of a favorite song for me. So I'm gonna stick with that. The number two is going to be, and the next ones are gonna be Riot Act songs here. The number two is gonna be I Am Mine. I just felt a really good energy from it and just really ramped up to a spot where it's kind of rare to hear I mine in so I like that I just like things being different and my number one is going to be thumbing my way I thought hmm. that this was fantastic a-, a song that I really like but sometimes I kind of stay away from going back to a little bit because of you know it feels like if you if you listen to it in the summer it doesn't make a whole lot of sense but you know what it didn't matter in this version because it was just so beautiful. It was just so eloquently put together that I couldn't deny it. So, yeah, this was my favorite moment from the show. Rating is going to be interesting. I don't know if we're going to be in the same territory, but you get to share yours and I get to share mine. So let's just have at it. We obviously, you know, Ed is a little bit under the weather and that's going to affect this, but we had so many talking points from the show and there's so many great moments beginning with ARC leading all the way through to the encore and all of the cover songs and, and everything in between. This is very, very high up on my list. I'm going to give this a nine and a half. Yeah, I'm not that high. And 
I think that what I lost in the show, and it really wasn't as much of Ed being sick. I think it's just because he was sick, the momentum in spots didn't feel like it was building off much. It felt like they were just at points trying to go through a set list while maybe the individual performances were pretty good. And there's not a lot that I did love about the songs itself. Some of them I was just kind of like, okay, like have heard something like this before. It didn't really wow me. Like do the evolution obviously kind of stuck out as being, Oh, well, yeah, no, not a fan. And, uh, but there are good things to take away from this. I would take this thumbing my way over almost any version of that song ever but the main set felt a little choppy waters i will put it that way it felt like the momentum was very awkward but i wouldn't tell people not to listen to the show i'm a little stuck on what i want to do and and i think i'm just going to give it to the performance which i think i liked the individual songs way more than i thought when listening because when I was listening, I'm like, okay, I had things to say. And I was a little bit more excited in the things that I said. So originally I went into this. I was thinking about 7.5. It's uh, getting bumped up to an 8. I got an 8 on this, which is, I'm sure if I gave it a 7.5, that would have been something to really deliberate on. But 8 is always, that's that's a fair score. All right. Obviously, two very different ones, but that's what you're going to get from two very different people. Okay, let's talk about what we're going to do for the next couple weeks. We are doing, yet again, another series of shows that have the same kind of theme to them. And and look, it's it's summer. You know, we want a little bit of the shorter set so we can not spend hours and hours focusing on this. And, and there will be some stuff that there's going to be a lot of stuff to focus on. But July, I think maybe in the next coming years, maybe it's going to be July, maybe it's going to be August. But we will have a month almost every year that will be deemed a festival month. And this year... We're going across all errors here. Some of these are requests from people. One of them is is something that has been pushed down my throat since day one, and I haven't gotten around the time. Like, it's been on the schedule for literally four years, and I haven't got around to do it. Next week, we're going to do the first Lollapalooza 1992 show from the Shoreline Amphitheater. And that is a request from Amy Wynn, who will have a profile episode coming next week as well. And then we're going to do Mudfest. That's the one that's been on our radar since day one. We haven't known really what to do with it, where, where it should go. So we're just, we said, all right, if this is going to be a month to do all festival shows, then it's in. It's finally getting in. Then we're going to do the opener festival show from Poland in 2010. That's a request from Anita from Grudge Magazine. And that will be the third one we do. And then we're going to end it off with Telluride, which is obviously not an easy task at all. And that one will need the research and the love and, and all the stories that, that go along with it. And that was a request from a couple people, but mainly Jenny G. Also, Aurelian, I think, requested this one. That'll be nice after his run of the 12 of shows he's going to. That, that'll, be, that'll air right after the European tour ends. So that'll be a nice uh, bookend for him. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yep, love love to do it, and looking forward to all of them. I think there's a lot of good stories. There's a lot of interesting storylines. So, again, within all that, we'll have more episodes going on the Patreon platform, the reactions, the evolutions, the uh, late nights, what have you. If you have a request for something that you want us to do and or suggestion, uh, if we have time to to fill in our very busy schedules, we'll try to get to it. But maybe we could do something in the month of July where it's another very short festival show in the lines of like a Lollapalooza kind of thing that we'll have time for. Maybe we'll get to something like that. I have something in my head, but we'll figure it out. That would be a Patreon exclusive. But until then, we'll let you know when we know. And we are headed into July. So everybody have a great 4th of July weekend. And I'm going to be celebrating a little guy's first birthday. Very excited for that at his first uh, baseball game at City Field. So very excited for that as well. And they're just going to enjoy life and enjoy family. And I hope you guys are doing the same as well because it's never a bad time to do so. All right. Let's close this out. This may be the end. We're here, but not for much longer. And although we may be parting ways, I miss you already. Miss you always. That's it for Fargo. We'll be back next week to do some festivals. Still growing, still breathing. So that was Mrs. Lundegaard on the floor in there. And I guess that was your accomplice in the wood chipper. three people in Brainerd. And for what? For a little bit of money. There's more to life than a little money, you know. Don't you know that? And here you are. And it's a beautiful day. <laughs>